Well, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, depending on where you are in the world and what time it is when you're tuning in. This is Perrin Desports, and I'm your host for the Group Practice Accelerator podcast from Polaris Healthcare Partners. If you're an entrepreneurial dentist or physician, and you're interested in building a successful group practice, you found your primary resource for some of the industry's best business education. My partner, DeWalker Sinha, and I have decades of experience helping people just like you launch, scale, and ultimately exit successful group practices. In short, we create clarity, confidence, and results. Well, welcome everyone to yet another episode of the Group Practice Accelerator podcast an episode where I'm going to be talking about scaling from clinician to CEO. Is it, a, is it marketing? Is it a mindset? Is it a conference recap? Well, maybe it's a little bit of all of the above. <laughs> Surely it'll be a note-taking episode, so get your pad and pen ready for another wonderful cup of that Mila coffee. The Group Practice Accelerator podcast is on the air. Welcome, everybody, once again to the Group Practice Accelerator podcast. I am your host, Perrin Desports. I thank you for joining me uh, in the audience today and listening in. And I wanted to take an episode and break down some of the things and some of the experiences that we had uh, from last week and our conference in Scottsdale. There were quite a number of you in the audience who joined us, about 100 people total, representing probably around 60 different businesses or so from all over the United States, some general dentistry, some multi-specialty, some unique specialty, really a hybrid of, of everything that's out there. And I will tell you from the top that Mark, Dr. Mark Costas and I both remarked on multiple occasions that this was the most interactive, dialed-in, focused um audience that either of us had ever spoken in front of. It's cool when it ends up being your own conference. Don't get me wrong. I'm very grateful for that. But I get to speak a good bit all across the U.S. in a variety of different uh, conference settings, as does Dr. Casas. He owns uh, or, or operates several mastermind groups uh, and obviously does um, the Dental Success Institute Summit every year. And this was a group of people that I don't know if they just came fully caffeinated or if they'd eaten their Wheaties in the morning or or really what, but it it was amazing how much Q&A transpired in every single presentation. And I lead today's episode with that as a way of saying thank you to all of you in the audience who joined us in Scottsdale last week. Uh, you made it fun. Um, you made it uh, challenging to a degree for those of us who shared from the stage um, and it really made for uh, a dynamic conference, like, like really like nothing I'd ever attended before uh, in all of my work history. So I thank you for that. You never, when you're a presenter, you never really know how your subject matter lands with an audience. And most of the audience is um, uh, reluctant to ask questions or doesn't really want to engage. And that was 100% the opposite of what we had over 48 hours in Scottsdale. And, I, and that would even include cocktail parties, breaks. I mean, people stayed to the bitter end and asked questions all the way up to the point. I feel like they had to leave for the uh, uh, for the airport. It was exhausting for those of us who put it on, but it was also a lot of fun and I'm really grateful. So what all did we learn? Like what were the, what were the key takeaways and kind of, uh, I'd been thinking about this uh, on the plane ride back and 
earlier this week on how I'd put a bow on it and and maybe um, synopsize it for for those who who weren't there um, because I, I think there's a a lot to it and I teased this in the introduction and I said uh, I also teased this in the introduction to the actual conference itself where the the title scaling from clinician to CEO um, I asked the question is it marketing or is it a mindset um, and the truth is, it's a little bit of both. It is kind of a catchy title, and that's marketing. Um, but it's truly a mindset if you're going to build a group. And I'm going to start uh, and kind of weave that mindset uh, through today's episode and tell you some of the things that we we learned along the way. Uh, and this is the audience, I'll also preface and say, was probably about... Uh, spitball numbers here, but probably about 40% were one to two locations. Another 40% were maybe three to five locations. And, you know, the remaining um, 10 to 20%, something like that, excuse me, probably about six locations or more. So it was a, 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 an audience that was more oriented toward um, the emerging group practice space. It goes without saying that everybody there um, was pre-private equity. There were no enterprise-level DSOs or, or private equity groups present. These were all doctor, founder, owner, operators, uh, which again is a really, really fun and rewarding segment of the space that we have the opportunity to work with. So how would I sort of um, you know, put a bow around the conference and give you all in the audience who weren't there uh, some of the key takeaways? I think a lot of this um, actually does reflect the title of the conference, clinician to CEO. And if we think about dentistry historically, it is it has traditionally been a single dentist in a single location with a couple of staff treating patients over a 30 to 40 year um, career. And there are very many dentists who have created very successful businesses um, and and uh, a lot of wealth for themselves over those multiple decades. Um, it is, I guess, categorized as historically a traditional type of a healthcare services environment. Um, when you when you think back the the way dentistry has uh, slowly evolved, and now you look at a lot of people get building group practices. Um, and they are really uh, looking to build businesses that aren't based around themselves only and their clinical skill set. It's much more of a forward-looking mindset. It's very innovative to a degree, and it is dramatically different than your father's dental practice or your mother's dental practice, if I could throw an umbrella around it. And I think when we when we titled it, scaling from clinician to CEO, we thought more, we titled it more around the journey, you know, and, and what happens along the way to building a, uh, an emerging group, a smaller multi-location group. We didn't really title it from an innovation standpoint. Um, it was more about the journey that the entrepreneur is on along the way. And I think for today's episode, at least as it relates to the podcast, um, this is much more of a journey based around innovation and forward-looking opportunities um, than just simply checking off numbers in a box as it relates to locations or, or revenue or EBITDA or something like that. So 
this whole uh, tradition versus innovation, this whole historical context versus forward-looking context, this thing that is clinician to CEO uh, certainly is a mindset. It's a it's a, a personal transition. It's a business evolution, uh, and it involves a lot of innovation. So how did we end up breaking all that down, and how does all of it fit into a box? I'm going to give you a couple of different ways. One is certainly in banking. Um, my partner, DeWalker Sinha, spent his prior career as um, you know a, a leading healthcare banking executive all across the United States. And his last tour of duty was focusing on group practices. That's no mystery. You've heard him talk a lot about that. And I've talked a lot about his genius in doing that as well. You know, the, the clinician to CEO type of a transition, he spent some time and shared a presentation. And one of our uh, personal journey speakers, Dr. Steve Giannoutsis, an orthodontist out of um, uh, New York, uh, also did a presentation around growth capital solutions. And it was really interesting the way they both sliced it, sliced it and diced it. Because again, traditional dentistry, you start out with a retail banker, it's a 10-year term and a really, really low rate, and you buy your first practice or maybe your second. Um, and historically, that's really where it kind of began and ended. But Building a group practice, even if it's not, uh, you know, but one location every other year or something, a methodical growth strategy, you really, Dr. Steve Giannutz has talked about this. It, it really is an evolution from uh, building a business around a retail bank solution versus true business to business banking. And for those of you who are um, thinking about building multi-location groups, the bank funding piece, you're all going to hopefully be using for a very, very long time. You should. At least it's the right vehicle uh, to do that. But you owe it to yourselves to not try to build a multi-location group with a retail mindset, but with a business-to-business -business lending mindset. And, and that business-to-business -business lending application is arguably a more innovative solution for people building groups than anything in the, the retail banking space that has substantial limitations to it. So one of the first kind of uh, transitions that you make uh, in terms of mindset and, and certainly an application is around that banking aspect of it. And that's why I've started describing it as the Achilles heel of every group practice. And unfortunately, Steve, Steve shared um, all of the shortcomings, I'll say, of trying to iterate and improve upon that retail strategy when if he had it to do it all over again, he said the the one thing I wish I would have done sooner would be to to get with a business to business lender as early on as I possibly could have in the journey. And it probably would have saved a lot of time, a lot of heartache and and some money as well. Um, the next thing is is ownership. You know, again, the traditional dental dentistry mindset is one around, hey, I built a successful practice. I'm going to bring in an associate. He or she is going to take on a loan, buy me out 50%. They're going to be my 50-50 partner. And then they're going to buy out the other 50% in a couple of years. And I'm going to ride off into the sunset and play golf or something like that. And, and that traditional mindset around ownership is still so prevalent in the group practice space that it is a limiting factor. Uh, dramatically so, I would say. And we spent a phenomenal amount of time 
around the question of uh, associates and ownership. We spent a phenomenal amount of time uh, as it relates to doctor development. Um, Dr. Mark Costas shared a lot of great insights into the into the way you build super clinicians over time. Um, a great presentation. We learned a lot about the legal structures that support partnerships uh, from Sarah Stock and Sam Wallach at, at uh, Stock Legal, and certainly our own Mark Flock did a tremendous job of sharing the innovative solutions uh, from both a, a partial buy-in standpoint and an earn-in uh, aspect, either profits, interest, or restricted stock unit type methodologies. And what, much like we shared in, in the banking space for funding, if you're going to build a multi-location group and you're going to do it without bringing in minority partners, that is... Um, is it's going to create challenges over the horizon simply around associate turnover. And none of you in this audience are big enough yet in terms of size, volume, and, and financial uh, footing to, to be able to plan around uh, 10 to 20% turnover of associates every year. That's a recipe for disaster. And the innovative solution in group practice spaces is a more nominal buy-in um, at a lower percentage, meaning nominal buy-in at a lower percentage, or it's some type of an earn-in methodology, or it could be a hybrid of both. And and arguably, this associate solution context was um, uh, a series of presentations that, as you would well imagine, generated the most questions, the most interest, um, the most anxiety, probably in the uh, in the audience. But it was great to see because it was many of their first times ever learning about earn-in models. And if you're going to build a group practice and have a traditional mindset around it um, as it relates to buy-in, you're either going to allow people to buy in too, at too big a percentage too early that ultimately it, over the long run is going to benefit them more than it will you probably, um, or you will be too. You'll have blinders on as it relates to bringing other people into the ownership business of the business, and that'll probably, you know, hamper your ability to to build a bigger business at the at the rate you want to do it. So the ownership piece is critically important, uh, and the innovation forward looking um, mindset for. Uh, an emerging group practice, and the person who founded it and leading and is leading it is arguably more in an earn-in methodology. You know, we talked about valuation a little bit. I will tell you one of the big takeaways for me personally is that I, I, if I rewind the tape prior to COVID, all right, maybe go back about five years or so, there were. I feel like almost everybody I spoke to wanted to build a group simply because they wanted to sell a group. They were building for exit and they were all in a hurry to do so. I don't know if it was COVID or if it was maybe the run up in rates recently and the M&A markets cooling a little bit, or maybe it's just a general mindset shift of the people in the audience, the, the young and middle-aged career uh, dentist right now. But the vast majority of the people who were with us in Scottsdale were not billed for exit. They're billed and operate. There are a few who were there who were billed and exit, but the vast majority expressed interest in building a business that would sustain uh, itself over the next 10 to 20 years. 
Um, and many, many more of those people were asking questions around, how do I do that? How do I create competitive advantage? How do I um, grow this thing methodically over time to reward uh, me, my partners, my family, et cetera? And that's a different sort of context of valuation because most of the time we talk about valuation in the context of exit. Here, we talked about valuation as currency. How do you build a more valuable business? What is equity on balance sheet? I mean, that, is that a million dollar term? Like literally, it, what does it mean? How do I think about it? And, and when I do think about it and I understand the value of the business I'm building, how can I use it to my advantage? And that is a super cool application of the value of the company that you have and using some size and might to your advantage. This is what enterprise level DSOs do all day and every day. And it is nothing unique to them. It is completely applicable to all of you in this audience, just like it was to everybody in the audience in Scottsdale. And again, that is a, a, a mindset shift um, that is truly innovative as it relates to building a successful emerging group. Um, the CEO of that group is tasked with a lot of things, one of which is understanding the value of the company that you have presently and where you want to take it into the future. And if you do understand that, you can use that equity on balance sheet as as a vehicle to get more stuff done. Could be acquire other practices, could be using it as a uh, an earn in equity model for your associates. Um, it is uh, uh, it is truly one of the the most valuable things once you start to understand it. Marketing. Look, we're all about growing our businesses, um, and we're all about scalable solutions. Um, historically, the marketing mindset has always been uh, to build a successful practice off of patient or um, uh, uh, other practice refer specialist referrals, and those are high trust, high impact patients um, that are worth their weight in gold. And those referrals are absolutely not scalable. Gary Bird from SMC National did a tremendous presentation on scalable marketing solutions. And he took us through how to build a patient avatar by using AI solutions like chat GPT. And it was it was a live it was a live fire presentation and gary did a tremendous job with it our audience was completely wowed by it and once again when we start thinking about building a group practice and we talk about acquiring practices and ebitda multiples and all this other kind of stuff one of the things you've got to solve for is same store sales growing revenue in every single location and one of the components of growing revenue is increasing new patients. And the way to increase new patients reliably is through scalable marketing solutions, not just referrals. Uh, so this mindset shift from a traditional marketing type of a, a methodology that was centered around patient referrals and, and clinical referrals from other specialists um, is one that uh, is not that's not sustainable. It's not scalable in a group practice space, and the innovative solution is now AI driven. Totally different mindset than what it's been uh, historically for us. Um, 
you know, when we get into the advisors that you have, uh, and we picked a number of of great ones to to share from the stage uh, presentations about who they are, what they do, and how they work with group practices. You know, you're those of you who've built successful solo practices. Um, you know, tend to look at your uh, third party advisors, like your accounting and your law firms and things like that, almost from a a compliance standpoint. Well, a law firm, you know, uh, helps me with workers' comp claims, or I need an employment contract or something like that. An accounting firm, just file my taxes and keep me off the IRS radar. You know, that's a very, those two are very minimalist mindsets of a solo practice owner. A group practice owner understands that your legal structure is part is a critical part of your growth strategy and if you get that wrong you're going to build a mess that is ultimately not scalable and it's probably going to be fraught with danger as it relates to having to go back and redo a lot of those legal constructs so jonathan escal at escal law went through a number of different um sort of methodologies of thinking about um, practice, uh, you know, practice level constitution, the the management company level constitution, uh, what the the uh, management services agreements look like, and how fees flow, and and you know, uh, maximizing valuation, minimalist applications, uh, and a lot of other cool visual impacts of it um, that were ultimately complemented by Scott Aberman. And Kelsey Hagan from Ide Bailey Accounting Firm. Uh, when you think about uh, legal structure and financial reporting structure, and you're building a group practice, those two go hand in hand. They absolutely have to. If they do not, then you don't have a reliable strategy. You may have competing strategies if they're not synced up, honestly, um, but you have no uh, firm foundation to fall back on. Uh, and and all of this also ends up playing a role in your predictive focus for the future. I mentioned the the mindset of it being forward looking earlier. Uh, building a group practice and choosing the right advisors that you work with from an accounting and a legal structure standpoint are every bit as critical uh, to working with the right consulting type of an advisory relationship. Um, having the the people on your leadership team that are not arguably employed by your business is a way to think about it. And this is totally different from what you would have done uh, as a traditional solo practice. So clinician to CEO here is about not only your leadership team that's on your payroll that you meet with every day, but also your third-party advisors and the role they play in the development of your business. Uh, and there's a ton to that. And the guys and gals at Ide Bailey uh, and Escal Law did a tremendous job of of um, clarifying what all of that was, you know. And then the last thing I'll put a bow on it here is the role itself, clinician or CEO. There are a lot of you in the audience who love doing clinical dentistry because you love the outcomes you create for your patients, and that's usually a life changing outcome. I, I I can only imagine what that must feel like. I, I I personally, I can't relate to it, but I'm close enough with a number of you to to understand it, um, at, at least at a high level. For those that don't want to give up um, time as a clinician, there is certainly nothing wrong with that. 
but you have to be eyes wide open about the fact that if you were going to remain a clinical dentist and own a multi-location group, you're going to have to bring in somebody who uh, complements your vision and is able to execute whatever that strategy is, if it's not going to be you and the CEO type of a role, or if it is going to be a hybrid type of a role where your time goes and where you make the most impact, because that's that's of critical importance. So the role itself, you know, when you're a when you're a solo practice owner, I joked with the crowd that you you wear every hat. <laughs> you know, you are the lead economic engine of the business. You're personally guaranteeing the loan, so you get to fight with the bank. You get to um, be the COO. You get to be the the head of HR, the marketing executive. You get to do all of that. And when I say you get to do all of that, I really should say you have to do all of that. And that is in a solo practice, but arguably a lot of it doesn't have a day-to-day, month-to-month impact because it's still a solo practice. If you're going to build an emerging group and you're going to be the CEO of that group, leading it is um, a different challenge altogether. And knowing that what you're doing has a payoff to it um, intrinsically, personally, and certainly financially. And that is a really heady responsibility that most people aren't aware of as they're evolving into the role. It is more uh, than just marketing. It is a mindset and it has to be intentional. And when we talk about this uh, from the changing role of clinician to CEO, I think you're all trying to build a business, regardless of what your role is, you're all trying to build a business that's not dependent upon you 100% for its existence and its survivability. That's what we're all trying to achieve. And everything we laid out in Scottsdale hopefully helps corroborate that vision for people, um, helps paint by numbers a little bit and fill in some of the gaps, clear up some of the gray areas, if you will. But it also gave everybody the key takeaways they had on on Monday when they returned home. Um, And I think we gave people a lot of stuff to think about. And I think it's still an unbelievable time to, to build a group practice. While we didn't get the question in Scottsdale, I get it periodically. Hey, have I missed the boat? Is it too late? Is has the industry already consolidated? You know, is all the is all the opportunity gone? Um, no, the answer is no. There is ample runway to build a successful business um, that is your business, unique to what your desires are over your time frame and your pace and really fulfills what your three to five year vision is or beyond that, certainly. I do not think you've missed the boat at all. I think where rates are right now, while they're talking about potentially another 50 basis point increase in rates, possibly in the not too distant future, we're kind of at the top end of that. And I think that there's going to be a um, an interim business cycle that's still got some challenges ahead of it. But in the longer intermediate and longer term context, it's still a wonderful time to be a a business owner, a dentist and build a a multi-location group. And you have every opportunity to do that moving forward. So for those who were with us in Scottsdale, again, thank you for making the time and taking the effort to be there. Um, And thank you for so much and so many of the compliments you shared um, to me directly, to our team, to the other presenters. Thank you for being so engaged. And it really made for 
it made for a lot of fun. And I could sense that from y'all as well. For those who might have missed this one, stay tuned. We may have another uh, conference coming up next year that you can uh, take an opportunity um, to attend. Um, but for those who are there, again, heartfelt thanks. And, and um, I really appreciate your engagement. Stick around. I'll be right back with some additional thoughts and to wrap up the show. Once again, thanks everybody for uh, for joining me on the podcast today and and tuning in. Um, this was a fun one. It was a, a sort of wide ranging uh, recap of a lot of what we covered, but it w- really was a lot of fun. Before we wrap up today's show, um, I want to take just a quick second and thank a, a handful of people, and they are our sponsors: uh, Darby Dental, CareStack, SMC National. Ide Bailey, Dentsply Serona, and Escal Law were our six sponsors for this event. We wanted to keep um, sponsorship uh, to a manageable number, much like we did for the number of attendees to make it highly interactive. And um, I heard from all of the sponsors that they got great interest, great traffic, great engagement uh, from the audience. So I, I appreciate that collaboration. And I just wanted to to name them uh, specifically, Jeff and Andrea at, at Darby and certainly Giannina and Dar- and Abby at CareStack have been, uh, those two companies sponsored a a webinar series that we did uh, over the first half of the year that was immensely successful and the partnership with them is is really strong and we are very very grateful for the support that those two companies have, have shown us uh, smc national gary uh, bird and his team at smc have been huge fans of ours and and promoted so much of what we've done and and really are a, a unique breed as it relates to marketing groups in our our space and very grateful for the partnership and everything that they've shared with us and and with our audience. Um, Scott, Kelsey, and the crew at Ide Bailey Accounting Firm. Uh, accounting firms are not interchangeable. I, I mean, I can't impress that upon you enough. And if you're working with a what I would just call a traditional CPA for tax compliance purposes, uh, you're, you're barely scratching the surface on what a strategic advisor looks like. And uh, the, Scott and Kelsey and the, the crew at I'd Bailey are just the best of the best and they do a wonderful job. And and I think you owe it to yourself to to maybe see what a, a class A firm looks like because you're going to get a lot more out of it um, compared to what you have to invest into it. Um, SCAL Law, Jonathan and Eric and their crew, uh, Greg and everybody at SCAL is um, a really user-friendly law firm that has deep, deep roots in dentistry. And I love the fact that they do so much in a fixed fee basis, but they also take the time to educate our clients. And if you're um, contemplating building a group, um, you you want to be out ahead of what your legal structure is going to be. And as the business owner, candidly, you want to understand it. Um, what are you building from a structural standpoint and and how does that impact you as the founder? Um, but also, how does it impact your key employees that might be signing into it? And last but certainly not least is an evolving partnership that we have had for a while, but it's kind of changed um, and and hopefully grown uh, recently. And that's with Dentsply Serona. Their American headquarters are here in Charlotte. So I know a lot of those guys really, really well. And I've had the good fortune to be able to speak at um, a number of their events and their national sales meetings. They are 
such an innovative company um, and they have such a great presence uh, in the group practice space and the DSO space as well. But when we talk about doctor development, you know, the digital workflow impacts clinical outcomes and it's also a great calling card to attract young clinicians into your business. And I love the evolving partnership we have with them because I'm such a huge believer in the solution, the digital solutions that they provide. And that goes all the way back into my Patterson days. So really appreciate um, uh, Kevin and, and Keith and, and Phil and all the guys um, at, at Dentsply Serona on, you know, their, their desire to work with us and certainly their desire to sponsor our conference, but also where this partnership is going. So, you know, with that, I'm going to put a bow on scaling from clinician to CEO. Um, I came back really tired. <laughs> but it was a very fulfilled type of tired. And I'm I'm proud of the work we did. I'm proud of the conference we hosted. And I'm proud of the feedback that we got from everybody there. And, and I'm very grateful for everybody who attended, everybody who spoke, everybody who supported. Uh, it makes it all worthwhile. And I think we can all collectively hold our heads high that it was a, a hard couple of days in Scottsdale, but it was a uh, mission accomplished. And I can't wait for the next one. Thanks so much for being a listener and a subscriber. We'll see you on the next episode.